Every year here at Cornerstone in the month of December, we do something called Advent Giving, where we choose four or five organizations that are doing amazing things to help make people's lives different and help put back to the pe- together the pieces of a broken world. And, um, and again, this year we've had four great organizations we profiled each Sunday. If you'd like to know about the other ones that you didn't get to hear about today, you can go to our website and uh, you'll see some information there. But I can just tell you, your generosity allows us to give them great big gifts. And so we wanna thank you for all that you give in the month of December because it allows us as a church to give more than we even usually do in our normal giving. So thank you for that. I wanna mention a few other things before I get into my message tonight. So first of all, welcome to any of our guests. My name is Brian Carlucci, one of the pastors here, and we love getting to host Christmas Eve once again. Isn't it nice after a year being away? It's great to be together. Uh, we'd love for you to hang around after the service. We have um, snacks and drinks. They, we were gonna do it in the courtyard, but then it decided to rain and we're under construction, so mud's a problem. So we thought we'd be inside, but you're welcome to hang out and have some snacks. And then one last thing, on the 26th, on Sunday this week, we are not having services here. So if you show up, you are in the right place at the wrong time, all right? We are not meeting on Sunday, but we will be back together again the following Sunday, January 2nd. All right, enough of all those things. I wanna start my message tonight by telling you about a quaint little town in the south of Germany. It's famous for being the home to two of the world's largest shoe companies, but it's also infamous for a 60-year city division, city rivals, a city that's divided. Now, this town is not big. It's about the size of Louisville. And for a very, very long time, the people of that community have found themselves on one of two sides. The little town was home to the Dassler brothers, Adolf and Rudolph, were both shoe cobblers in the beginning of the early, early 20th century. And um, they built up a business together, and it was succeeding. In fact, they found their niche making shoes for athletes. And then 1936 Olympics in Berlin, the American track and field star Jesse Owens actually wore their shoes when he won four gold medals in front of Hitler. Amazing. World War II happens, and something occurs in the relationship of the two brothers, and there is a split. There was deep bitterness. And as the bitterness was not healed and continued to grow, they decided to split the companies. And so now you have this one great big company split into two great big companies, neither of them leaving the town. They were literally cross-town rivals. The little town has a river running through it as if to be a barrier between the two different sides. Now, that's not worth people's attention. And it's not even worth mentioning that Adolf's company is now called Adidas and Rudolph's company is now called Puma. It's really not worth mentioning. <laughs> that their collective worth is something like $25 billion and many of you probably contributed to their net worth this shopping season. So thank you on behalf of them. It's not worth mentioning. What's worth mentioning is how these companies and their rivalry literally changed an entire town. The entire town divided on lines of loyalty to one of the two companies. Many people identified exclusively with one of the two companies and consequently only with others in that group. Entire parts of the town were set up. Bakeries, markets, and restaurants were set up to serve just one side and not the other. Mixing for marriage or dating was forbidden and you were either an Adidas family or a Puma family, and you lived in either an Adidas neighborhood or a Puma neighborhood. Isn't that crazy? This went on for 60 years, three different generations. It's amazing, in a very sad way, what we are able to hold on to when it comes to grudges. 
This long-lasting community division was studied by social, social psychologists for years. Why would so many people participate and perpetuate someone else's personal grudge? And what these scientists concluded is that it's something that we've known for a very, very long time is we are eager to build our lives into the lives of other people. We find our social identity with people around us, even if that unity is coming because we are against something or someone else. That's sad, isn't it? But it's true. We all know what that's like in the country we live in right now. But what was even more surprising to those psychologists that this kind of thing would continue for so long is how it ended. There's just two events that led to the end of this rivalry. Healing occurred, and for about the last decade, the city has come together and experienced new unity, and it was the death of the two brothers. Buried in separate cemeteries on opposite ends of town, the Puma Cemetery and the Adidas Cemetery. But when that happened, people started to say, what are we doing? Those events led to healing and unity. Now, I share that this Christmas Eve because every year at this time, we draw our attention to another little town in the south of a country where one single event occurred and it brought people together. And it still brings people to, together. And it's got the power to bring about healing of division and it's got the power to reconcile relationships that have been lost. Of course, what we're talking about is the birth of Jesus. That event was not a death, it was a life that led to healing and connection. And tonight I have a really simple message. I wanna remind us that the Christmas story has the power to bring people together. It has the power to heal, to heal those divisions and to bring about a peace and a binding solidarity around love. Christmas is about God moving towards us, but it's also about us moving towards our brothers and sisters and people around us and the stranger. And especially this year, I think there's a lot of people that need a lot of personal care and connection because of the disconnection and all the anger and hostility that still exists in our world. So tonight I wanna share three pieces of encouragement. First, we are meant to receive Christmas together. Second, we need to remember and never forget that we are favored, every one of us. And lastly, I think the call of Christmas is to receive one another. So Isaiah, the prophet, the Jewish prophet, had this in mind in Isaiah chapter nine. Now, note this. Isaiah is writing about Jesus and he's gonna describe him in detail, but he's also going to include you and me in the story, okay? He's writing these things hundreds of years before even Jesus' grandparents lived, all right? So this is just God speaking. God is sharing this. It says this in chapter nine, verse six. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What God was sharing with Isaiah is that the fullness of time, God would reveal himself, not a little bit more, but a lot more. And some would see Jesus for who he was and who he is, the Savior, the Son of God, the one that every one of us needs. For others, it would take some time, and maybe you're in that place tonight, it's needing to take some time, it's possible for us not to recognize Jesus. Many didn't. Why? Because God was veiled in a body. He was hidden in plain sight as a boy and then a man. Isaiah describes him. And Jesus is the same person today. He still is the wonderful counselor who gives wisdom to people who need it. He's a mighty God that pours out power in your life. He's an everlasting father that continues to build a home and say to you that you belong to him. We like to use this image here at Cornerstone. He is the father and he has a table and there's a place at that table for all of us. 
We belong to him. He's the everlasting father. And lastly, Isaiah described him as the prince of peace. He brings peace to our hearts, but he brings peace among us. Unto us means that we share the presence of God. Unto us means the favor of God is shared together, enjoyed together. We experience the peace of God among us. Jesus came to be with us, to serve us, to lead us, to die for us, and to share his new life with us. This message is about what we get to receive together. And my wife was up here singing, and she often sings on Christmas Eve. I love getting to hear her sing. This is our 20th Christmas Eve with Cornerstone. It's a lot, that's a lot of Christmas Eves. We love it, and um, it, it's always special. Some years are, are unique, but really, there's not a lot that changes one Christmas Eve to the next. We sing familiar songs. We have a great band. We have a reading. And then you get a short message. And then you're on your way, right? Most things don't change. Most Christmas Eves aren't that different, except for last year. We did a lot of creative things here at Cornerstone. We had Christmas Eve in a box. But I'll tell you what, it does not, it did not replace being with you. Why? Because Christmas is meant to be received with others. Unto us. Who's your us? Your spouse, your family, your friends, your church, your community. The us can be a group of strangers. The first Christmas tells us this. I mean, look who's there. Look who the us is. Unto us, who's included in the first Christmas story. By the way, none of the, the details are wasted, including all of the characters. They all represent something important, even though they were all true characters. Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph received the Son of God as a betrothed young couple, a young couple crazy about each other. Just getting started trying to make their way in life, God interrupts their life and says, I've got something for you to do, to receive together. Mary shares it with her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth shares it with her husband, that faithful couple would receive Christmas together. They would receive Jesus. Matthew tells us about the wise men from far away. They're included. They're educated, powerful, wealthy leaders. They're certainly of a different nation, which means they're of a different culture and a different race, which would not make them faithful men to the God of the Bible at this time. Yet they're included. Luke tells us about the Jewish shepherds. All you need to know about the shepherds is that they were the, at the bottom of Jewish society. Usually they were orphans, and this is the way they made their way in life. They didn't have a home or a family to go to like many of you are gonna get to experience tonight. And they're included. And then there's the lonely Jewish prophet Isaiah that years before was involved. And here's what Isaiah understood. Isaiah understood the wide scope of that simple word, us. Unto us, a child is born. One of the great historic contributions of Christianity has been a unifying narrative. Despite divisions and fightings and splits, I know all about them. They make us take lots of classes to study all that garbage. But there has always been a faithful remnant of people who say, I'm gonna let Jesus do for my relationships and my community and my family what he did here on this first Christmas. I'm gonna let him heal where there is division. I'm gonna let him bring unity where we are separated. Reconciliation is always possible and I'm going to let Jesus preserve relationships in life. 
We are meant to receive him together. And this year is special because last year that was taken away. So I want to encourage you to receive him. I also want to encourage you to never forget that you are favored. See, this is the thing that brings them together. In Luke chapter one, the angel comes to Mary and says, do not be afraid. Uh Uh-oh. I'm afraid. You know what that usually means? It means the power is going out in this old building, but um, that's why it's getting fixed. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Now, this can be misleading. We can say, well, Mary's special. This is why God says this to her. But Mary's virtue or lack of virtue has very little to do with the favor that's spoken over her. See, God's favor has everything to do with his goodness, his commitment to us, his love for us, and very little to do with what we can or cannot do. And the reason I know that is because a similar phrase is used in the next chapter, when the angels are speaking to the shepherds, verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. There's that idea of community again. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. you will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared and the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, listen to this, peace to those in whom his favor rests. The shepherds were favored. The wise men are favored. This couple is favored. Here's what you need reminded of tonight. You are favored by God. Each one of us. God does not change. It's not any different. You're a part of the us that Isaiah was describing. Unto us, son is given. A child is born. You know, it's hard to hear God's voice. I know that and admit it as a pastor. And it takes some time learning to be quiet and to use the, the, the gift of prayer to hear God's voice. But one of the things that I found is when people really learn to hear God's voice and distinguish his voice from all the other voices, you know what they hear? They hear this kind of message over and over again. Hello, favored one. I am with you. And when you hear that voice, you're, you're, um, your eyes are open and you realize that there's never been a day that God has turned away from you. There's never been a day that God hasn't looked on you and smiled. And we know that Jesus comes to rescue the world, but if you were the last person alive and needed a rescue, he would do it all over again because you are favored. And so are the people around you and so are our enemies. They are favored by God. They are included in the unto us, this gift has been given. And so I wanna encourage you to never, ever forget that you are favored by God. But then that leads to this last piece of encouragement because if you understand that you're a favored person, you have to do something with that. There's a responsibility that comes from receiving that kind of grace, that kind of choosing, that kind of loyalty, that kind of forgiveness. It does in our heart something that could not occur on our own. It brings goodwill. Forgiveness begins to grow in our hearts. Love Reconciliation, all of these things that become a theme of the Christmas story, bringing people together, are actually made possible because we have experienced his favor. Look what the angels say here to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those in whom his favor rests. It's just like what Isaiah shared. The favor that each of us enjoys with God is meant to do something for all of us. 
The King James Version says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. We're getting a little closer to what was actually said. Goodwill between us. A more literal translation says, peace among men and women in whom he is pleased. One of the messages we've wanted to share here at Cornerstone for the last two years is that as people who cherish Jesus, and tonight we cherish him, we marvel, we ponder like Mary did, um, the miracle that took place. But if you take Jesus serious, if you, if you enjoy him, if you're grateful for him, you have to hear his call to live in a loving way towards others around you, even towards enemies. The gospel is a message of reconciliation and God is bringing people together and the first Christmas is meant to be a picture of what God is building every day. Unto us, a surprising group of people there together. And so my last piece of encouragement is for you to be the kind of person that receives others in your life in a greater way. So that might look like forgiveness this Christmas. It might look like a phone call to make amends. It might look like being gracious it might look like being open to others. I don't know what it is, but God is calling us to other people. That is what happens when people realize they are favored. And that's what happened the first Christmas. One last story, and then we're gonna share a special moment together as we light the candles. Elise shared this with me this week. She read this story in the Washington Post. And it was a story that occurred in late November of last year, so 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, and this occurred in a neighborhood in Baltimore. A man named Matt Riggs came up with an idea with his young daughter that they would strand a single, or they would, they would hang a single strand of lights, Christmas lights, from their house to the neighbor's house across the street. That neighbor's name was Kim Morton, and I want to show you the picture. So... One strand of light, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> After they hung the lights, Mac texted Kim saying, look out your window, these lights are meant to be a reminder that we are always connected despite the pandemic's isolation. This is what he wanted her to know. There is an us for Christmas. There is, there, we are meant to receive him together. Matt knew that his neighbor and her kids were having a hard time. You see, she had been having many panic attacks. She was dealing with depression, anxiety, stressed out over work, grieving the loss of a loved one, all the things that we all had to go through. He knew that she was not doing well and he wanted to reach out. Kim would say this, she'd say of this simple gesture, it made me look up and literally and figuratively above all the things that were dragging me down, it was light pushing back the darkness. Isn't that sweet? But this is what happens when something like that occurs. It takes on a life of its own. That one act of love, that one connection represented by that one strand of lights led to the neighborhood reconnecting to the idea of us for Christmas. One at a time, neighbor after neighbor, they began to string up lights connecting their homes to their next door neighbors and the neighbors across the street. Ladders and drills were out, the local Home Depot ran out of lights. And the street was transformed into a physical picture of the connection and love that Jesus brings and soon every house was connected by these lights. Here's the picture. Most Christmases, I stand up here and I talk about how 
special it is to receive him personally. And it is. If you don't know Jesus by faith, you can join your life with him. But I think there's another message this Christmas. And we need reminded, this is the kind of thing Jesus did and does today. He still interrupts our lives. He still calls people strangers to himself. People still find one another right by each other, bowing their hearts before him and saying, look, I have a new friend unto us. A child is born unto us, a son is given. So glad that we get to be together. Your pastor missed you last Christmas Eve. All right, we're gonna do something very, very special now and have a moment together. Invite you to stand and get your candles. This gets to be a picture of everything that I just mentioned. Not only do we share the light of Jesus, not only do we share the life of Jesus, but we share our own light that he has birthed and given us, right? There's something beautiful inside of all of you. If you've said yes to him, his life lives in you. His light lives in you and you get to share that with others. So as we share the light, and pass it on to the people behind you. And I want to pray for us. Father God, we are grateful tonight, not only for Jesus, but for the family, the community, the homes that are created around him. I bless my friends tonight, Father, with a meaningful connection with you tonight and tomorrow. May they hear your voice saying, you are favored and I am with you. May they hear your voice. May they notice it. Lord, I pray that they would never forget that they are favored by you. And Lord, I also ask that you would move us towards one another, not in a way that is easy, but we might love in the difficult ways. We might go the extra mile and we might see transformation in our lives and our relationships. And so I bless any movement we might make towards others because of you, because of the way you move towards us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.